It was gold rivulets of liquid, liquid like a liquid metal that was running in the seams of my hands. And I could move it with my fingers, Mike. I could move it. I could ball it up. It acted like mercury from a thermometer, but it was gold. And it didn't hurt, but it was on both of my hands and I hadn't touched anything. And I asked my my people who were with me, who accompanied me, do you have anything? Can you see this? (laughs) They had nothing. They had no, but they had nothing. But I did. And I couldn't explain it. I here I am. I'm a Jew. I'm a skeptic. I'm 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 in a place where I thought I don't belong. Yeah. I'm I'm emotionally moved. And I have this this physical transformation that I cannot explain away with science. And I'm a man of science. Yeah. I bet okay? that was fun for you. I, I mean, I need, to have, I need to have, I'm the type of person that has to have proof, right? Yeah. To believe yeah. it. Let's go. You are listening to the Heath Fluids Podcast, and we're having candid and actionable conversations about your health, relationships, business, and ministry. And now here's your host, the Second Chance Coachman, Michael David Huey. Welcome to another session of the Heath Fluence Podcast. We have been having a heat wave in Florida, and uh, I, I, I think one of the coolest things um, is that we also are having a lot of rain. So, um, I actually got to play golf this morning at one of my favorite courses, uh, here. Uh, we just had the, if you're a golf fan, we just had the British open. We just had, they call it the open and it was played at St. Andrews where, um, we have a replica course of St. Andrews here and I played it today and, and shot two under, which was fantastic round of golf and and felt really good and and just feels good to be around good people. And today I'm blessed to be around. And, and, and if you've been watching our podcast in the next couple of weeks, you're going to see a theme of, of a just uh, continued bring, uh, 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 manifestation of God's glory and wisdom and guidance and direction and the people that we've been able. I don't know if you had a chance last week to listen to Dr. Tina Grimes, who was the first person interviewed on Dr. John C. Maxwell's podcast, and just some of the great people like this week. I don't know if you're a Twitter fan, uh, but my friend Samantha Kelly, who's a great woman of God from um, from Ireland, uh, taught us how to use Twitter. I am, I laughed uh, at, our, at our interview because I didn't know Twitter was such a thing, and I just realized that it was, and it was still a thing. And now I know why my wife uh, uh, listens to the news on there because it's always factual evidence, and that's what Samantha told me. But my 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 friend and guest today, I'm just going to say one thing before we start. Oh, and then he'll, Neil will know to say I.O. and that's how we do it when we when and uh, I'm I'm excited because football season is coming up. Um, I just sold all of my season tickets except for the last game of the season where we play that team from up north, which we know who's going to win this year. It's not going to be the team from up north this year. Last year, for the first time in like 20 years, they won. And so now that's going to change. So um, my friend, Dr. Neil Goodman, um, is uh, a graduate of Ohio State University, a graduate of Toledo He's done a fellowship and a residency at uh, uh, in the Army. Thank you for your service, Dr. Goodman. You are an amazing man of God. Um, he's a 14-year veteran in the Army. Think about that, guys. You are not only seeing a man of God, a doctor, a man who's taken a stance on the things that God has called him to without fear, without worry, without doubt. I know that this is a new season for Dr. Neal. <laughs> I know that this is something that... Um, is challenging him. 
but I know that God is in the midst of all that he's doing. I know God is opening doors for him. I said this when we prayed earlier that uh, uh, God is going to use him in a mighty way. You know, um, he's published a couple ebooks, which uh, I'm super excited. I'm actually publishing a course that's going to go live in about two weeks. Uh, and then I'm going to do another one. And then I'm going to I'm going to publish two ebooks myself. So I'm excited to read his. Um, I actually put them here on my list to get to read before the end of the month. And I'm very intentional. I'm in a season, Dr. Neal, of intentionality and consistency. And I'm doing that in every aspect of my life because I'm super excited to be able to, to travel out of the country here coming up pretty soon and go to Croatia, uh, which I'm super excited about. And so uh, welcome to the HeFluence podcast, my friend, Dr. Neil Goodman. Dr. Neil, thank you for being with me today, my friend. Thank you so much, Michael. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk to your audience and talk to your guests. And it is the Ohio State University, sir. Oh, right. that's right. Uh, the, H-I-O, right? Yeah, right, you right. got it. You got it. We, I got all the I got all the degrees up here. I got Perfect. I got my four year varsity letter uh, 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 certificate right here for running track. I, I will say this. It's been great to watch the World Track and Field Championships on Peacock and NBC. I've been taping them on Peacock. Uh, the United States has just been killing it. And yesterday, um, uh, a young man from Ashland College in Ohio won a bronze medal in the men's 400 meter hurdles, which was my event when I was in college. I was an All-American runner at Ohio State. And it was great to watch Trevor Bassett. Just in, and, and this is another good thing. I get goosebumps when I talk about it, Dr. Neil. A, a Christian boy from Ashland College, who's only 22 years old, I think, or 23 years old, his coach told him, hey, look, God has called you to greatness and you are going to win a medal in the world championships. And he literally PR'd by a second. Now, sometimes when people PR, they PR, you know, five tenths or eight tenths. He PR'd over uh, a second and a half and ran 47 seconds in the 400 meter hurdles, which I only ran 51 seconds and I was an All-American. So he ran four seconds faster. And wow. so, so Dr. Neil, why don't you tell us like your story? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. For those of yeah. you that are listening, um, I had the privilege and I don't believe in divine. I don't believe in coincidence. Okay, I, I uh, Dr. Neil and I were just in Utah uh, a little over a month ago, and we just happened to be in the gym at the same time. And it was just me and him uh, and another friend of ours, Erica Dale. And then Erica left, and then it was just me and Neil, and we just talked, and encouraged. I listened to him, and I was like, I, I actually texted my wife. I never told him this, but I texted my wife, and I said, I have to interview Dr. Uh, Dr. Neil, and she said. Thank God. That's what Lisa said. Thank God. Because she has a big heart for him. We, we had the privilege of meeting in Mexico and spending a little bit more time together. We've been talking about this for a while. And I think what you're about to hear from him is so my friend, my wife is a huge Sid Roth fan. Um, and I know that Dr. Neil is going to be sharing his story on there, but I'm excited for him to share it with me because I have a pencil and a piece of paper. And here's what, here's what I'm going to say before you, before you share, Dr. Neil, is on Sundays on my way to church. My wife and I listened to now next week, it's going to be Danielle Lewis, who's one of my professional athletes that I work with, who was injured by the COVID-19 vaccine. And we talk about that and go through that. And um, I, 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 listen, I will listen on the way to church this Sunday to Dr. Neil, because whenever I have somebody that's going to go live the next week, my wife and I listen to him at church and my wife takes notes. So I'm going to take notes now, and then she's going to take notes on Sunday. But Dr. Neil, share us a little bit like who you are, where you came from. 
and where you are today and the things that you're doing right. to, to make an impact in the world. All right. Well, thank you again, uh, Michael. Um, well, I suppose, you know, that's a, that's a tall order, right? Going all the way back, but I, I will, I will for you. You know, I was basically a typical Midwest Ohio boy that grew up in Columbus, Ohio. That was where I lived. My mom and dad were middle-class folks. My mom was actually just a street, you know, I say just, but she was a street artist. She was a street artist. She painted for a living. She would be the person that you'd go if you were to go on a, uh, you know, to one of the malls and you saw people doing paintings and sketches and she'd be painting and selling her wares. And my dad was a, a salesman in a mall. So very ordinary Midwest up, up beginnings, I would say. We lived in a mid-class uh, neighborhood. But um, I grew up in a Jewish family. My mom and dad were both Jewish. I was not a Christian. And uh, there were a couple of uh, Christian kids across the street that I sort of took notice of. They were my best friends. We'd sort of hang out together. And, uh, you know, I always had a curiosity about Christ. I, uh, he wasn't in my life at that time. It, it wasn't uh, permissible in my environment where I was living to, you know, I, I could be curious. But if I asked this is, well, uh, uh, Jesus was a, was a prophet, and, uh, but we don't really believe in him. And, but, but I knew when I saw images of Christ on the cross in my, my best friend's home, there was a part of me that really, really started to question was I really in the right faith for me? Because I saw Christ in his eyes looking at me, and I felt as though he was my Lord, but I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know it. I just It just set up that curiosity at the time. And, I, you know, what could I do about it? I, I, I had to be silent. I was living in my home. My parents were very traditional. I went to Hebrew school. I got bar mitzvah. I did the whole thing. Uh, for a little while, I thought I was going to become a rabbi. Uh, that, that only, I'm glad you didn't, I'm glad no, you I'm didn't, glad I didn't either, right? <laughs> but anyways, um, I had a brother and sister who were both younger than me. And, um, you know, my dad was, you know, working his behind off in his work and my mom was supporting him in terms of, um, you know, like I said, being a street artist, very ordinary beginnings. And, uh, I just happened to be a really, I think I was a little bit of a strange kid cause I was a super geeky science nerd. I love science. I love taking things apart. I was doing science fair projects when I was in seventh grade, right? And my mom was freaked out because I was doing, now this is before the time when you would have to get like a license to work on animals. But I had, you know, she probably thought she had a budding uh, Jeffrey Dahmer in the basement. <laughs> I was dissecting animals. I mean, I was dissecting. Neil Dahmer. Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds scary, right? Your, your audience is probably saying right now, uh, uh, Michael. We're going to stop sure right there. We're going to stop right there. Are you sure you really want this guy online right now? Because, you know, this may be the wrong kind of character. But, but I was doing experiments with, um, with rodents, and I was doing actual full-fledged scientific experiments. And my mother would be freaked out. She'd go down to the freezer to get a steak out, and there would be a dissected rat in the freezer wow. with, uh, you know, I mean, this is getting graphic, right? But, you know, that uh, she just didn't know what to do with me. Um, anyways, in school... Um, I, I won a number of different awards for science. I actually made it to the International Science and Engineering Fair uh, for, the, for the world. 
and won, won first third place when I was 15 and won first place when I was 16. And then got a scholarship to go to Walter Reed Army Institute of Research when I was 17 years old and uh, actually went to Washington, D.C. and conducted kidney research experiments, again, on animals. Uh, and uh, and that's when I was a kid. So my, my parents, I honestly, truly, I don't think really knew what to do with me. Um, but... I, uh, I knew, though, that I wanted to go into medicine. Uh, I wanted to become a doctor or something medical. Uh, what the part of that your audience doesn't know is my dad was a very, very heavy smoker. He smoked a three and a half pack a day. Uh, wow. I lived in that house. And that's not typical for a Jewish father. I, I've never really known. I don't, many, I don't know. I've never really. Mo- I mean, I know I, I used to have a lot of clients that were just but I never remember any of them smoking cigarettes. So that's. Well, I, I you know, he, did, he did, and you know, we grew. My up mom did too, so I, I, I get it. It. it was a horrible habit for him, and we, and you know, we, we, we tried to, you know, guilt him into quitting, and he just, you know, he was, I, he was truly addicted to it. it. It got so bad, and you've heard me say this once before in a different environment, uh, Michael. But it got so bad where I literally took a razor blade. We would take a razor blade each month and scrape the, the, the tar and nicotine off the window so that we could see light instead of yellow. But we were living and, and breathing in that environment, right? Well, as you would expect, um, my dad um, ultimately came down with lung cancer. And in my last two years with him, between 15 and 17, um, I was the one who, uh, he couldn't support the family anymore. I was taking him to his chemotherapy treatments at The Ohio State University where he was getting chemo and, you know, he already had a lung resected uh, and, and, and my siblings who were younger than me, they couldn't have done that. But I was in that position where I could drive and I could, I could support the family that way. And uh, it was a horrible thing to witness. But the one thing that made an impression to me, uh, Michael, is, is that I just felt that the doctors who were taking care of him were there, there was no heart in what they were doing. They were to me, cold, calloused. Uh, here I am a, a young kid, who is trying to, um, you know, take his dad to the treatments that my mom can't take him. It's too difficult. She's just trying to earn an income. And ultimately, um, by the time I was 17, I was away at Walter Reed, by the way, and I had to tell them I had to leave prematurely because I was called back home because my father was dying. And I came back home to see him. He lasted a couple more months, uh, and then he passed away and um, and and died due to his 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 cancer. Well. I, I, I was convinced at that point that not only did I want to be a doctor, but I wanted to be a doctor with heart. I didn't want to be a doctor that, 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 you know, just was strictly about the money. You know, you, listen, Jewish doctors, right. You get the, they get, you know, you get this reputation and you grow up Jews in general, they want their, their kids to be professionals. They want them to be lawyers, doctors, doctors. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, it's a Entrepreneurs, position, yep. right. Because we didn't come from an income or a class of people where there was anybody who really went to college, to be honest with you. They weren't college graduates. I was going to be the first one. And we were too poor to, to, uh, to, for me to afford school at Ohio State University. So I took an ROTC scholarship and actually enlisted in the Army. And, um, and by the time I finished my training, uh, I was commissioned as a second lieutenant. I was a uh, ex- uh, exhibition drill team commander. I was on the rifle team at Ohio State University. I did a lot of things, um, and I had applied for medical school. But I was convinced that I wanted to be a doctor, and I wanted to make a difference. And I didn't want to be the doctor with no heart. I wanted, and, and I and I and I didn't know what specialty I was going to do yet. 
I mean, it was still wide open. Um, I was fortunate enough to, um, and my and my mom and dad really, you know, were thankful that I could, in fact, get a scholarship, or I probably wouldn't have been able to go. And I was willing to pay the price in time where we didn't have the money to go, you know. So, anyways, long story short, got into medical school, got an HPSB scholarship, went to medical school, and that's where I met my beautiful wife. We were first study partners uh, at the University of Toledo Medical College. The Rockets. Uh, and then, then we uh, we married in my senior year, and of course, uh, my you know my number is up. Then at that point, my 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 training is up. I I, I became a doctor. I applied for a pediatric residency and fellowship program in the United States Army, and I was going to get my first assignment at uh, Fitzsimmons Army Medical Center, which is in Denver, Colorado. So uh, that's where I was going to be stationed. My wife, though, had nothing to do with the military. I mean, she was not a soldier, right? <laughs> nope. So we were we were married, and that's an interesting story too, because you know, my my wife, we didn't marry until after we we graduated. My wife is a Catholic. She's a cradle Catholic. Her parents were actually more. Um, I mean, they ad- literally adopted me as their. Jewish Christian son. You know, I went to church with them, although I couldn't take part of the holy sacraments of the Catholic Church because I wasn't a Christian. Yep. But I was married to her, and we could not get a rabbi to marry us. So we asked a Jesuit Catholic priest, would he marry us? <laughs> and, you know, this is offensive. To, you got to understand, this is offensive to the I Jewish knew. Church. I know. My wife, yeah, my wife my, grew up in that church. I know. Yeah, in my dad's side of the family, there was no way. I mean, what's he doing marrying a Catholic girl? He's marrying outside of the faith. You know, um, you know, it's a shame to the family, if you think about it. They've never been in a church. They, my family, uh, my father's side of the family had never been in a church. And here I am marrying a Catholic girl. Well, in order to bring peace to the whole situation, I managed to find a Catholic Catholic priest. His name is Father Bass, B-A-S-I-K. In fact, I, I don't know if he's still alive or not, but he married us and he agreed to marry us in a Hebrew service in Hebrew in a Catholic church with the with the Jewish canopy and all that, all the <laughs> blessings in Hebrew for the sake of my wow. Jewish side of the family. And that's how we were married. And it was a great success. That's incredible. Honestly, my father's side of the family, they loved my wife. They accepted her. Uh, my mom accepted her. Um, and, you know, I, I and I hadn't renounced my Jewish faith. I hadn't done that, you know. Um, so I sometimes thought that in order to become a Christian, you have to renounce your you your, don't. Jewish, your Jewishness. Nope. You and become I, a completed and, Jew. That's exactly well, what we call see, it. And I, I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that. Well, after I did my residency and graduated in pediatrics and had a wonderful tour of duty, when I came back to, uh, and I'm sort of jumping ahead a little bit. You're fine. This is great. It's perfect. But when I came back to Georgia, which was my last duty station, I'd already gone and done my tours of duty and done my fellowship. Oh, I didn't mention my wife. So, so she joined, I got her to join the army carte blanche. No, never went to boot camp. Right. <laughs> she, 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 I mean, they, she literally graduated medical school, came to Colorado to be with me. They put a pin to uniform on her. She had no idea where the rank went. Right. No, not nothing. Right. And she, <laughs> Literally comes it's on fantastic. Base. The general's car comes around. We didn't know, you know, she doesn't know from a general, from a major, from a captain, right? She's a captain. I mean, a captain out of the blue, right? Can you imagine? You are one day a civilian. Wow, talk about God. Army 
captain. She was a direct commission. Wow. Talk about God. Only God could have done that. Uh, I mean, oh that's... my gosh. So, so, but I got to tell you what though, is her, uh, the, the, the program Now, my wife is an obstetrician gynecologist. That's what she, she yep. takes care of women and women's health issue. I take care of children. Okay. Um, they loved her in the army. She was an inspiration to them to come in from the civilian sector to be a um, a advocate for women. She stood up. She held her ground. She actually became one of the toughest residents in the Army medical program for obstetrics and gynecology wow. with absolutely no experience in the military. However, for one, saving for one incident with the general, and that incident with the general was that on her first day of base, going to her first assignment, the general's car came around with the aide-de-camp, who was a major, driving the vehicle, had the flag on the car and everything, and they stopped in the street because she didn't come to an a state of attention. She didn't know. She didn't know to have any, she had no military bearing at all. The major gets out and dresses her down and says, uh, ma'am, do you know why I stopped you? And she's like, no. Like not no sir no no bearing at all no clue this, this is the this is the general's car and you need to salute the car uh okay not like okay sir or I mean just no clue her 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 captain's bars were sideways she's gonna be really mad if I uh, if I go further with the story but let's just say <laughs> that ultimately she got reported to her commander and her commander ultimately sent her to boot camp. Ugh. and so she did go to boot camp to make up for her failure to salute the general. And and ultimately became a combat qualified surgeon. A bad, a bad, a bad you know what? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So oh. she became a tough, tough customer, right? And she is to this day. She I can see that. I can she see that. The, she was the first woman obstetrician gynecologist in the in the current community where I live right now. And that's 25 years ago. She was the first woman obstetrician gynecologist where it was dominated by men. Okay. Wow. We and they mostly in. are. I mean, to be honest with you, they, to be honest with you, Neil, they mostly are because um, when you were bringing that up, I went back to one of my clients that I had for probably about 15 years when I had my brick and mortar fitnesses. He told me, he said 90% of OBGYNs were, were men, right? And, Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And, and, and he was Jewish and later on in life became a Christian, which is, which is funny, oh, that's, right? Isn't that I, and, and when you were saying that, I, I, I thought of a client of mine that lives in an Orthodox Jewish home in, in, in London, England, where it's been like a hundred degrees, just accepted Christ about two weeks ago. So we're seeing this change in, in that, in that movement. So tell me, let's go on about your wife. I'm, I'm so, so anyway, she's a fantastic woman and I've, we've been married 37 years. We have one child congratulations, and we have a grandchild who's two and a half and uh, we, you with your, with your grandchildren. Right. And we got, we both got out of the military. My wife finished this major. I finished this major. She had eight years in, I had 14 years in. And we ultimately came to uh, this community in the uh, Golden Isles of Georgia, which is on the coast of Georgia, just below Savannah. And that's where we practice and have been in private practice and later in corporate practice for another 25 years. So altogether, wow. I've been practicing 37 years as has my wife. Wow. And she brought with her her, her partner. Um, she had a, a, a black female uh, woman partner who she was her um, cohort in crime when she was in the army. And they, they two together came in and literally took over this town as far as bringing women's health care to the area. And they were being challenged because they were they were they were uh, breaking 
uh, boundaries. They were breaking the ceiling at that point. There were not only women, but it was a it was a black and white female obstetrician team, right? With military with military background. So so they were just Love very that. very infamous infamously known in this area as being tough, but caring so much about women's care. That was their only and 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 ultimately the folks that were going to the male doctors. Uh, later came to see her, but obviously you know that I love my wife. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, just like I love my wife. I mean, she's we a have... cat's meow. I worship her. She is just a, a wonderful, wonderful she woman. Is. I, I, I agree my, with you. My, we married my, up. We married up. Yeah, you know, we, we married up. up. We married we outkicked. Yeah. We outkicked our coverage. Was what she, I call that. We definitely out. We definitely outkicked our coverage. You yeah. are right. You're right. So God bless her. And um, so we uh, in in coastal Georgia. It just so happens that Sid Raw is in coast. Was in coastal Georgia. This was his home. He lived in the same town that I lived in. I didn't know. I saw him at the gym, and it was like, oh, here's this guy. He's really talking. He's very loud. Very loud, by the way. Yes. And, and extremely. Um, filled with the spirit so much that um, to me, I was a little intimidated. Intimidating. Yeah, he's a little intimidating. No, he's, he's intimidating definitely intimidating to talk to, right? Because he's like that close from your face when you talk. Yeah. And uh, anyways, he invited me to a Passover Seder that he was uh, doing for my uh, Gentile friends. And I was invited as well. And they wanted to hear us sing the, the prayers in Hebrew to hear the sounds of the, of the, of the ceremony. And I was willing to do that. And it was a lovely, lovely experience. When was that, Neil? When was that? This is probably in 1980. Well, let me think. 1998 or so. 99. I Well, you want me to tell you what's funny? The reason I let me tell you the reason I asked you that date. Okay. Yeah. Because in 1998, I went to my first born again Jewish Seder dinner myself in 1998. No kidding. Really? So I, I, when you said it, I, 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 I wow. started okay. to count back. The first time that I'd ever been to one was in 1998, around that time. Uh, I'll never forget it. There was tables of, there was probably 400 born-again Jewish people in the room. There was a table of about 40, because I remember counting the tables of 40 born-again rabbis, literally born-again spirit-filled rabbis. They blew the shofar's horn, which is, I don't yeah, even know if you, yeah. if I told you this, but that's one of my favorite things for my wife to do. We have our own. She blows it on a regular basis at church, which is fantastic. But when you said that, it just clicked in me. And I remember the 1998 was my first one. So good. Wow, that's that's more than coincidence. That's, no, that's, 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 <laughs> you know, I mean, we you've talked about this before that we don't believe in coincidence. We believe in divine intervention. 100%. Right? Uh, and, and, and we're watching it be fulfilled. Well, I want to tell the rest of that story, um, if I can, and, and, yeah. and, and, and I'm hoping I can hold it together with this. But let me just tell you that Sid, I don't know why Sid was possessed too, but he said to me, he says, you know, I'm having a revival at the Christian Renewal Church in, in Brunswick, Georgia uh, next week. Would you like to come? And I'm thinking, like, why would I want to go to a, I don't even know what a revival is. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know what that is. I mean, I didn't know what that was, right? I'm You're like, uh huh, revival. Yeah. Okay, so is, a tent? is it in a tent? <laughs> yeah, is it in a tent? Well, it wasn't in a tent. It was actually in a church. And you mentioned a chauffeur. Well, they had a chauffeur there. And when I went to this, I went because I was I was curious. Remember, I told you I was curious as a young boy, right? Uh, my wife is Catholic now. I I I I'm, I have a child. 
I, I want to raise my child with the knowledge of God. I, 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 I don't know whether I should stay within just a Jewish faith or do I have this calling to become a Christian? I felt like I did. So I followed, I followed Sid's lead and I had read some of his books that talk about not being shameful or guilty of completing the journey of a Jew to become a Christian, right? But in all my mind up to that point, it was something that you wouldn't entertain. Certainly not by my family, wouldn't have, wouldn't have no. accepted that. But I was at a place where I, my, my family was, I didn't mention my, my mother, um, she died about 10 years after my dad died of breast cancer. Um, so I didn't have a mom or a dad either. And literally my wife's parents are my parents. They're actually more my parents longer uh, than, than, uh, than my parents were my parents. And her mom and dad are 94 and 95 years old, respectively. And he is, by the way, a Korean War and a World War II uh, uh, um, field medic who is an uh, airborne ranger in both the Korean and the World War II, one of the last great generation. Amen. And uh, he did his training at Fort Benning, Georgia, which is where my wife and I had our last duty assignment. So talk about crazy, right? That's amazing. I mean, it's just so, so he was so thrilled to have us be at Fort Benning where he was jumping out of perfectly good airplanes as a boy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's thrilled. He's so, thrilled so, so tell me about, so did you, did you attend Sid's revival? Tell me. Yeah. About so that. I went to Sid's revival and uh, he, in the midst of the whole thing, I mean, there were some goings on there that I didn't understand. <laughs> I mean, the, the power of the Holy spirit was in the room. I didn't understand what I was seeing. Now this Signs, is an, wonders and miracles, right? Yes. This is an apostolic church. I, 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 I mean, I would say Pentecostal, in the uh, from what I understand, fivefold five fold ministry five, church is what five, we call absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yep. So yeah. they were calling with the chauffeur and calling Jesus's name down from the rafters with loud voices, Yeshua, Yeshua. Everyone, raise your voice in Yeshua and call the Holy Spirit into the room. And it was and it was done. Right. I felt the power. I started to sweat. I, I was very emotional. I was tearful at the time. And I and and then he called. Folks down, he said, those that want to accept Christ into their life at this time, I would ask that you come down before the altar. And I did. I came with friends, but I came down to the altar. And and in that moment, I accepted Christ into my life. And, and I was just so overwhelmed, so overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit. I melted. My I'm crying right now. And I'm because it, it, it hits me every single time. I feel that um, a transformation took place in that moment. Right, Mike, and um, and and I went back to my seat. I didn't know really know what happened. I didn't even know why I was doing what I was doing there. There were people that were falling over and laying down and speaking in tongues, yeah. and and very very unusual things. I didn't know like, am I supposed to be here? Right? <laughs> yeah. I had some second doubt. I, I, I've been there. I remember that experience myself. But I returned to my seat, and this is where it gets weird. It I I I I hadn't touched anything that had material on it or gold or silver. I looked at my Bible. I had a Bible. It didn't have a binding on it that had anything metallic, but I looked in the palms of my hands and I looked at my lifelines and what I had in my lifelines wasn't sweat. It was gold rivulets of liquid, liquid, like a liquid metal that was running in the seams of my hands. And I could move it with my fingers, Mike. I could move it. I could ball it up. It acted like mercury from a thermometer, but it was gold and it didn't hurt, but it was on both of my hands and I hadn't touched anything. And I asked my, my people who were with me, who accompanied me, do you have anything? Can you see hand? this? <laughs> they had nothing. They had no, but they had nothing, but I did. And I couldn't explain it. I, here I am. I'm a Jew. 
I'm a skeptic. <laughs> I'm 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 in a place where I thought I don't belong. Yeah. I'm, I'm emotionally moved, and I have this this physical transformation that I cannot explain away with science. And I'm a man of science. Yeah, I bet okay? that was fun for you. I, I mean, I need, to have, I need to have, I'm the type of person that has to have proof, right, yeah. to believe yeah. it. Yeah. And so, so I had this, and I was like, I was really shooken up. I mean, I was like, what happened to me? What I, I don't understand it. So I go back and I tell my wife about it, and she's puzzled. I showed her. It took a, a it took a day for it to resolve, but then in its place over the next two days, where I had that gold mercury liquid, I now had two holes in my hands. Ah. I had a burn mark literally a burn mark, a divot where my skin was missing. It had blistered up and formed a circle of dead skin. And I had raw skin in the center of both of my palms. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? I yeah. Mean, yeah. I didn't know what I was. I, yeah, I, I remember when my that. wife first experienced, I remember when my wife first experienced oil, she had her hands were saturated with oil in a worship service one night. And she looked over at me and I put my hand in it and it was like rubbing your hand through olive oil in a pan. Right. And it was saturated with her hand. So, yeah. So keep going. Yeah. I, 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 I love just, those. I, I could not, ex I could not explain this. So I called Sid rock. And as an aside, I don't know if you know, but Jewish people love Chinese food. <laughs> I didn't know that, but now I do. <laughs> and Sid Roth is a New York Jew. He's from me. So I don't know where he's from. He's from New York. He used to be yeah. a stockbroker before he was a pastor. Yeah. And um, and if you could read about it in his book, but he said he he said, let's meet at the Chinese restaurant in Brunswick. So I said, OK, so we meet in a Chinese restaurant in Brunswick a week later. And I asked him because I want to know, please explain to me what this is. I don't understand what has happened. I needed an explanation. Right. Yeah. And and he was willing to meet me. He's very, very agreeable to that. Very approachable. And he looked at my hands. He took my hands. He said, Neil, he says, you've been anointed. My God. And I said, what? what? What does that mean? He says, you've been anointed. You've been, you have a gift from God. Yes. And you need to use this gift in your healing of what you do with children on your day-to-day -day work in, in your work. Yes. And, and use it and lay your hands on people. Mighty God. You need to use this. And I was like, wow. I mean, I was like, seriously, I didn't know what to do with that. So I want to fast forward for a minute and I don't know how much time you have here. You're but, fine. You're fine. Um, You're doing great. So, so this, um, I honestly, I was working in a corporate environment where I really couldn't do that. I didn't feel, you know, if I, I'm in a, I'm in an environment where I'm with other doctors and you march to a lockstep and you, your audience will understand this, right? You go I understand. your doctor. You, 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 you see everybody every 15 minutes, whatever you do, what you have to do. You, you, and you've got overseers, you've got people who are watching you. It's like right. a mill. Okay. It is not what I set out to do. I originally, I told you, I, I got into pediatrics because I wanted to be at that, uh, that doctor who was one-to-one -one with my patients. Now I'm just a provider. I'm a provider. I'm not a doctor. I'm a provider. I'm a provider like that provider and that provider and that provider. And the nurse is a provider, you know, wow. who'd you get your care from? Oh, that provider. And that so changed. And Neil, I think that changed. Nothing. Right. And it's, yeah, all about the it's all about the mill. It's all about my them. one of the things I missed. I, I my uh, my doctor, my pediatrician growing up, his name was Dr. Hartle, Richard Hartle. He's 94, 93 years old right now, still living to this day. And the number one thing that I remember, Neil, I get goosebumps as I think about it right now, is that he always took time. There was no and this was obviously back seven, 
70, early 70s-ish on through the 80s. And up until I went to college in 86, he was always spending a lot of time with us. That's wonderful. And I think that was his heart. So that that type of position, I, I have, it's rare to see these days. It's rare to see. But I had to do it out of necessity. The 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 management of the office and the, the rigmarole from day to day and dealing with insurance companies over so requires so much time that you need an administrative staff just to just to navigate that. And I just wanted to see my patients, you know, I just want to see kids. So I, I sold my practice, what was originally my practice, to this corporate entity. Uh, and they ran the practice and that's what I was in. So really there wasn't time to put people, put hands on people. And had I done that, I probably would have been reported. I mean, yeah. your, your patients, yeah. your patients oh, yeah. tell you down the stream and say, wait a minute, he put his hands on me and prayed for me when all I wanted was a, a, an antibiotic. Yeah. There was a guy, there was a guy on Sid Roth a couple months back, back, I think it was December or November that he was the praying medic. And he he had been praying for people who would get in the ambulance and they would radically get healed and delivered until one day, you know, somebody said, I'm not so sure I want you to pray for me. Right. And so I get it. Like, I totally get it. Like, it's, and, and, and that hap- that happens. You know, people don't aren't necessarily of our mindset where we think God is oper- operating in our world. Right. They're of the world as opposed to, you know, God within us. Yes. So you understand what I'm saying. So, so, so there came, so then there, something happened two years ago, right? What happened two years ago? We had a, we had a plant. Okay. I'm going to say this. I'm going to have, I'm going to say this because I'm not afraid to, because you'll hear, you're going to go right after Daniel Lewis, who was injured by the vaccine, who I helped back to health, who just won her second Ironman triathlon a couple of weeks ago. And we had what we call a pandemic. So yeah. So So pandemic, pandemic in action. Yes, we had a pandemic, and you know the bottom dropped out, and we were seeing very few patients. But as the uh, machinery, the medical industrial machinery, got revved up, it became clear that there was a definite um, desire to try to immunize children. First, starting with age twelve to seventeen, and then from five to twelve, and now it's down to five months. Well, when I first heard about this, I was like. When I, first of all, I'm, I'm, my, my undergraduate degree was in immunology and virology. Okay. okay. And then I'm a doctor. And then and I deal with vaccines all the time. And I believe in vaccines. I feel like so vaccines do good things, right? But these vaccines that we use in traditional medicine were vetted. They're looked at over 10, 20 years. To, to Some of them 30 years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And here we're rolling out something that is uh, Six exper- months. experimental at best and still and not proven with a very bad track record. And the track record that they had in animals from previous studies years before actually killed the animals. Dead. Yeah. People were so dying. Now they want to roll this out within two months time and roll it out into the adults. And so, you know, but I understand uh, difficult times call for difficult decisions, but there were certain risks that were being had. Well, when they started to decide to roll it out to the pediatric population who rarely gets sick, these kids, kids have essentially strong zero immune system chance of dying of the disease. They get COVID, they're over it in two, three days. It's a cold to them. Yes, I understand it hurts the older folks worse. And remember, this is a contrived 
uh, uh, virus, right? I won't go there. We can discuss it another time, but it's a deadly virus. And I'm not, I'm not minimizing the significance of the virus or of the, of the spike protein, which is the disease. But when they want to try to put that spike protein, which is contained in this quote unquote vaccine, which is not really a vaccine, by the way, for your audience, it is a, it is a experimental injectable biologic. Okay. Bioweapon. So we call it a bioweapon. Uh, let's put it this way. If the original virus didn't kill you, the bioweapon would experimental bioweapon may. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 you know, before, and, you. Yeah. and before you go on with that, I just wanted to say this, like, I'm not afraid to talk about this because I really, I just lost my mom and I really believe it was from the vaccine. She started falling right after getting the vaccine. My experimental my, my, injectable biologic. Yes, the, yeah, let's uh, not call it. Not, let's call it a jab. It's called a jab. We call it a jab. Yeah, we call it a jab. Yes, not a vaccine. Call it a jab. We call it a jab. We call it a jab. And so, and then my father-in-law died a year ago after getting the jab. He started following, and then the spike protein increased towards the disease process. His uh, Parkinson's, which I had in remission. And then within a couple months, he was hallucinating, falling, breaking his shoulder, breaking his hips. Same thing that happened to my mom. And uh, and then, you know, now Lisa, my my wife and I have lost both of, two of our parents uh, to this bioweapon. And so, yeah. So 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 go on. So tell me you're in this I'm process. Glad, and, 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 yeah, free. Yeah. So, so I've been released. So so uh, so I was outspoken about it. No, yes, you were. As you can tell by my demeanor, I got on Facebook and I started saying, listen, you folks, protect your children. Do not give them this, blah, 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 blah. Well, the organization that I was working for heard me talk about this and they brought me in on the carpet one day and they said, you know, um, you know, you're not vaccinating anybody. What's the deal? And I said, well, I'm giving them informed consent. And they choose not to. They said, you know, you're part of the problem, not part of the solution. Mm-hmm. And the next day I was discharged. I was canceled after 37 years of practicing pediatrics, and I had over 10,000 kids that I was responsible for taking care of that have no medical home right now. They told them that I had retired. I had not retired. That I was not allowed to contact them. I had a gag order. I couldn't reach them. I, I had to wait for my contract to technically end before I could re-engage. Uh, I'm in a different situation now. So during this time, so here I am, I'm literally being paid to stay home where I want to take care of the children that I've, 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 I've vowed and, and swore an oath to take care of. And, and, but, but then I got a letter, I got a letter from, from uh, some, I'm just going to say some bureaucratic agencies <laughs> unaffiliated for, with the people that I'm working with yep. who told me that if I didn't take down on the internet, my misinformation about COVID-19, that I would not only potentially lose my license, but also lose my board certification that I worked for 40 years to have. So I had to pull all that stuff. I did pull it. I did pull it. And so if I look at it in retrospect, Mike, I was in an environment that I practiced. And like the Jews who were in Egypt, I was in bond. I didn't recognize this. I was in bondage for those years, for those 16 years. I was in bondage because I wasn't practicing the way that God had anointed me to some 20 plus years ago. And during this time of introspection, I happened to be watching a show on TV that your audience may be familiar with. I just happen to love it. It's called The Chosen. Are you familiar with it? Uh, well, if, if you ever listen, if you listen to any of my podcasts, my favorite, and then I'm going to I'm gonna let you keep talking, but I want to share this really quick. My favorite scene in The Chosen is when uh, Jesus and Nicodemus were in the upper room and Jesus and, Nic- and Nicodemus said to Jesus, how do I, how do I, how do I become born again? I can't go back in to my mother's womb. And he said, 
I am right. I, the person that he'd been praying for all his life, you know, all his life, but yeah, go ahead. It's my favorite thing. It's the set, the second, so in second a similar way. I was in, I was in, I was in a very low place at that point. You know, sometimes you have to suffer the, what, what I, I don't know. I was meant to suffer whatever the consequences are, but in retrospect, I was being released from bondage, just like the Jews were released from bondage in ex, in Israel, in, in Egypt, because I was being shown the light, Michael, that in this show, this show spoke to me. I watched the first episode of the first season, and it was the episode where the characters of uh, Matthew and Mary Magdalene are introduced. And at the end of that, Mary Magdalene is getting ready to take her life. She's getting ready to walk off of a cliff. And she returns to the bar where she was sips her last drink. And as she leaves the bar, she was going by an alias name at that time. She wasn't going by her name, Mary. Jesus walks in and he says, don't, don't drink that. That's not for you. And she steps outside and he says to her, Mary, I have called you by name and you are mine. And I'm telling you, Michael, that was Jesus talking to me at that moment. He said to me, Neil, you are mine. I have chosen you. Glory. My anointing. I came back into Glory. my anointing that day. I came back to my anointing that day that I hadn't been able to exercise. It was only because I was released from my bondage, perhaps as a Jew in my exodus. And I have been given freedom. And I, at the same time, I was entertaining this possibility. I was being courted by where I'm working right now, which is a holistic Christian counseling center called Centered for Life. Uh, and, and that's where I'm working right now as a MD who helps children with anxiety, depression, and neurologic and uh, learning. My disorder. God. And I treat not only using uh, pharmaceuticals in which I'm trained, but also nutritional and nature-based God-given uh, products that help to restore them to their original state. And I'm oh, also yeah. treating those that are COVID injured. And I'm also treating people and protecting people from COVID using these same modalities. Amen. And I would have never had the freedom to do that had I not been released from my bondage and had God not talked to me and told me, Neil, take this position. This is where you need to be. And I'm going to tell you that, that since that time has happened, the, 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 um, the doors have been opened up wide for me. God has poured into me. And I have not only talked to you, but I have been on a couple of other major broadcasting uh, establishments who wanted to hear this story of salvation, Mighty God. Uh, uh, of, of, of not only salvation, restoration, of, of restoration, and also that all is not over, right? that in, in God's time, in God's time, Michael, that we come to the decision or we're pointed or we're shown the signs. Me, oh, of all people, a Jew, of me, of all people, a, a skeptic, a doctor, a person who you would think would be perhaps maybe the least likely to accept what God was was speaking into me. And I Hallelujah. felt that, I, and I know it was real because I experienced physical transformation that I have no other explanation for. Yes, and I am God. here today sharing that story with you, Michael. That let's 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 do this. Huh. I'm full. Mom, about you. I'm full. And I hope that people are when you're listening to this today, and this is this is how we'll finish. Um, God is well pleased, Doctor Neil. God is well pleased. the the uh, The book of Haggai speaks, and I'm going to speak this over you. I, I uh, as I told you in the beginning, I don't have a I don't have an agenda. This podcast is God's agenda, and it's amazing how 
you know, we haven't even scaled it yet. And now it's people are coming up to me all the time saying, Hey, can I be in your podcast? Hey, can I be in your podcast? And I said, you know, let me pray about it because I'm not going to do the, I'm not going to do anything outside of God's parameters. And this is how we're going to finish this up. Um, in the book of Haggai, it says that the latter days, and I'm, I'm going to insert your name in there because I've already received this, that Dr. Goodman and everything that he does, the latter days of his life will be greater than the former days of his life, of his life. And that your house shall be full. Your house shall be full. And that as you walk in this anointing and in this provision, that God is going to, I just saw this vision. I just saw this vision that God is going to open doors and close doors that no one can open. And you're going to walk through them and the doors that he closes, you're going to let be closed. And, and so Dr. Neil, in this last five minutes, tell me what the next season of Dr. Neil Goodman's life looks like. What does that, what are some aspirations of your heart and what can you say for people? Like it's, it's really, it really amazes me when I go through these and I see how like-minded I am with certain people. Like I've helped over 1400 people recover from vaccine injuries. 1400. When I think of that number, blows my mind. Just a single, uh, you know, person, myself and my wife, we've helped 1400 people. You know, you brought up kids ages 12 to 17 in the first 90 days of, of people vaccinating age 12 to 17. There was 3,500 reported cases of myocarditis. And just the stuff that goes on, what does it look like? What are, and even if it's maybe some words that you can say that would leave us understanding the next phase of what's in your heart and what you feel God is calling you to do. All right. So um, I have always had an affinity for taking care of children. That is what I do. That is, that is, that is my gift. Um, I love my patients. I love the folks that I take care of. And I cannot stand idly by and watch what is happening from a societal, governmental, administrative, regulatory level to force or coerce parents to sacrifice their children. This is what's happening. The children have been affected so poorly, so badly, both from the lack of education over the last two years of being in uh, locked away and lockdowns, from losing valuable years, from being dehumanized, wearing masks, not being themselves, from being their emotional. You know, you have to understand the children are developing, they're they're evolving, they're dynamic. Their immune system is so... not only the immune, but their brain, their synapses, how they, they, you know, most, most adults aren't adults. Eyes, their ears. 26, those synapses and their modes of thinking and the way that they see the world are evolving. And they're based upon what the inputs are. And if the inputs are, is that we're dehumanizing them and we're subjecting them to 5G radio fields and stuck their head in an iPad and a mask and you can't see their eyes and they make no eye contact with you and they look down and then you're drugging them and then you make them ill and you and you kill their friends with myocarditis or give them heart attacks on the soccer field and then their parents are poor because they've been subjected to financial distraught and so forth you create a scenario where these children become so depressed and so saddened that they lose their souls that God put into them to the evil one. And the evil one is having a heyday right now. And we have to, as adults and parents, protect them. We have to protect them 
and protect them from the world and protect them from what's going on. And we need to stand in and be strong and to survive our children and to speak for them because they cannot defend themselves. And they're being sacrificed. They're being trans, trans uh, 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 trafficked. They're being uh, sexualized. They're being yeah, abused. Yeah, human trafficking. Okay. I mean, on so many levels, I, I can't even share with you on this podcast because one, it's beyond the scope and be, and besides people start to shut down. I won't share those stories, but I know of circumstances where children are being physically and emotionally harmed for the betterment of, 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 of government people. Okay. Who, uh, who ultimately their goal is, is to remove your children from your midst and to have control of their minds and souls. Okay. So that you will, you will be without them. And we know that our future is in our children and God, we are the children of God. We are God's chosen one. We are, he wants us to delight in all that he has. He wants us to celebrate him and glorify him. If we are not able to do that with our own children, then 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 then, then the evil one has won. This yeah. is a battle of souls and minds. That's what I want to say. It's not just one doctor being canceled. So what my goal is is to try to allow children and to give them a respite of a place where they can have medical autonomy, where parents do not have to be fearful of of reprise uh, when they make that decision. And no, I'm not going to get my child vaccinated. And by God. Take your kid out of school if it's necessary. Uh, homeschool them if it's necessary. Find a communal way to teach them. Bring them up in the faith. Bring them up with other like-minded people. And do not be fearful of Amen. the world at large, which is not looking to save you. Okay? We are raising up the remnants right now. This is a spiritual war between good and evil. And we are in the midst of it, and you're watching it. You're yes. watching it roll out in slow motion. And let us not be, let's not be um, uh, um, uh, under under false um, uh, um, deceit that this isn't happening. It is happening. It is happening. It is happening right now. And let me ask you, let me ask you a question. To speak up. We let have me ask to you a question. Up. How can people connect with you and find you and reach you? If they, okay. if they have a question or want to connect with you or want to learn more about what you're doing, how can that, how can that happen? Absolutely. First of all, I want to say two things. I have a website. And it's www.biohackerusa, because I'm a patriot, biohackerusa.com. And I have a website where there are links to the place that I work. And I encourage people to get a hold of me. I will do a telehealth visit with them and talk to them and have a one-to-one discussion about their circumstances and try to help. Um, I am also available to come and do uh, 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 talks and presentations to small groups and churches uh, you know, uh, if they'll have me in a group forum where I can educate folks as to what they can do to save their church and save their people uh, from the from the from the, uh, the the evil that is amidst us right now, to have some sort of response. There are answers. You do not have to say that I have been victimized. We are not victims. We will yes, be God. victors over this. Yes, God. So www.biohackerusa.com. I have a book that I've written, two books that I've written. I have a website. I also have a place where I belong to a 501c3 organization, which we are trying to create this medical clinic uh, to provide services for care for people who do not want to be under the authority of the government or Thank insurance you God. agencies. Thank you, God. Well, Dr. Neil, this will, I'll put all this in the show notes. My podcast editor will put all this in the show notes. Um, I just want to, as we finish, I just want to publicly say thank you. Not only do I appreciate you that we get to do business together, that you and I, you know, uh, 
we're both science geeks and we both are helping people impact the world from a holistic uh, position and, and really from a, a, a kingdom position because we are kingdom minded. There's a difference between just being a believer and really having the mind of God. And I think that if you're living under a rock, unless you're living under a rock and you don't know what's going on today, you were just educated on real things. And I was glad because I prayed this morning and this afternoon, you know, that this would be so impactful and that people would see and connect and really want to know things. And, you know, um, I'm excited. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm excited that I get to I get to go on trips with Dr. Neil. I get to, I get to, I get to send him encouraging messages. I get to listen to him. I get to watch him do incredible things, but just be his friend, be his brother, uh, pray for him uh, and encourage him. And uh, that's never going to stop. So we're going to be friends for eternity because we get to live for him. And I'm going to end this the same way I end every podcast uh, is I hope that you will share this with people. You will connect people with, with Dr. Neil, but most of all that you'll love God, that you'll love people and you'll live with passion, vision, and purpose. Love God, love people, live with passion, vision, and purpose. And until the next session, thank you again, Dr. Neil Goodman for being with me today. Until the next session of the Heathfluence podcast, God bless you all. Have a great thank rest you of your so day. Much. Bye-bye. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Heatfluence podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review. And as always, you can follow Michael on all social media platforms at Michael David Huey or www.michaeldavidhuey.com. Until next time, God bless and take care.